Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to Millennial Love, the independent lifestyle desk's weekly podcast on love, dating and relationships. Hosted by me, Olivia Petter, lifestyle writer. And me, Rachel Hosey, assistant lifestyle editor. Each week we're discussing the core dating issues affecting millennials today. There are endless podcasts out there on relationships, but as two single ladies in our 20s, we didn't feel any really reflected our own experiences. And that's where millennial love comes in. This week, we are so excited to welcome journalist, former dating columnist, co-host of my favourite podcast, The High Low, and now author, Dolly Alderton. Welcome, Dolly. Hello, thank you for having me. Thank we you are- so much for coming. Sorry, I just told totally you. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> Do you want to say it again? No, let's just carry okay. on. <laughs> okay. Um, today we are so excited to be talking about everything I know about love, which although it sounds like it could probably be the name of this very podcast, it's actually <laughs> the title of Dolly's debut book, which takes us through the ups and downs of dating in your 20s via Dolly's poignant and often hilarious observations. Uh, it also includes a mixture of some of your favourite recipes. My favourite is probably the got kicked out of a club sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> um, and <laughs> lots of endless disaster date anecdotes, uh, bad parties and many touching stories about the importance of female friendship. Uh, But first, before we get started, how was your week, ladies? Well, I... I had quite a quiet weekend, and so I spent some time on the old dating apps. Oh, which ones? I was on Bumble. They don't reply on that. Yeah, <laughs> sure, yeah, I know what you mean. But you I also just Giselle, find... Which you clearly are. <laughs> clearly. And uh, they don't reply. I just want to reassure you. Every woman who says I'm using Bumble, the first thing I say is, by the way, no one gets any replies. Yeah, it's like probably one in ten. However, I switched to Tinder at one point over the weekend, but I just was never swiping right. Yeah. And actually, yeah, it's very difficult. Anyway, I managed to embarrass myself because I started talking to this guy and I asked him, you know, what are these generic questions of what are you up to this weekend? And, and then a few hours went by and I went back on Bumble because I was talking to someone else or something. And then I opened that conversation seeing the, what are you up to this weekend? And I replied going, oh, well, actually, I'm working this weekend, but then I'm going <laughs> to the so cinema good. and getting my hair cut. <laughs> and, and then he was like, what? Did you just <laughs> preempt my question? And I was like, that's really good. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I answered my question to you. <laughs> oh, it was a bit mortifying. And I was like, I'm really not drunk. I promise. <laughs> I just got confused. Well, I was going to say that is quite a drunken move. My friend famously once sent was trying to booty call a guy. Hmm. And she sent him a series of incessant messages. And then she replied to them. All within, the, <laughs> all within the same evening being like where are you do you want to meet up <laughs> because she was so drunk i think it's charming it's kooky yeah yeah i mean he was like we were replying to a different guy i was like no literally to myself 
podcast. It's so funny. <laughs> it's really funny. Well, I mean, it's an easy mistake to make. Anyway. If we get married, it will be a great speech right? starter. Oh, God, yeah. Right? You know, that's what I think with the start of every relationship slash this isn't even a relationship. I'm always like, this will be such a funny story at the wedding. <laughs> yeah, that used to kill me, that fantasy. It's, it's definitely not healthy. No, I used, the thing that I used to do, which is so unhealthy, is when I was texting a guy that I just started seeing, I was very good at doing the cool girl carapace. They never, men never knew how much of a psychopath I was. (laughs) But something I used to do is when I'd run out of material to stalk online, and because I was so incessant, I would run out of material fairly quickly. For sure. And it's kind of like my friend Indy and I always say when you're that obsessive about a guy, it's like having a perfume, putting perfume on a department store. And then you're like sniffing it all day. And then you're like, oh, no, I'm losing the scent. Like I need more fuel yes. to like be obsessed oh my God, with yeah. him. Do you know what I mean? So absolutely. Like, I need, how do I go find more like an update of the spray? And then you go onto Facebook and then you put in <laughs> his surname to search all his family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like, oh, I can go through their albums and find all this other material of him. 100% been there. Yeah. 100%. What have you been up to, Livy? Um, I have been getting ready for my trip to the States and going to America for three weeks. Nice. Very Where fun. in America are you going? Going to San Francisco, cool. which would be really cool. I'm to so see my jealous. dad. And then to New York for a fashion week. Fashion. Yeah, I'm not so jealous. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what that's going to be like. I've never been there for fashion week before, so that'll be interesting. Um, have you been to the butcher's daughter yet? Yes, it's so good. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. This is a hipster vegan cafe mm. in New York. Oh. I hate to say... Love. It's actually bloody tasty. <laughs> it's really good. They do avocado toast, but like next level. How is it delicious. next level? Because I love avocado toast. It's like How really good I bread. Didn't have that. I think last time I went there, I had like the vegan pastrami, which sounds like hell, but was just Ooh, so interesting. Good. It was so good. Also, do you eat fish? Yes, but not at the moment because I'm doing veganuary. But you'll be but there yes, in Feb. Yes. Okay. So I think the best restaurant in New York mm. is this place called Brooklyn Crab. Brooklyn Crab, which okay. is in Red Hook, which is this amazing part of Brooklyn where it's like hardly any cars, mm. and you have this amazing view over the Statue of Liberty. It's great to go there wow. at sunset. Awesome! And you, you pay quite a lot, but you get this gigantic crab. It's the best crab I've ever eaten, and a margarita, like a frozen margarita, that's the size of your torso. <gasps> it's Sweet, the best evening. Save up, and that should be. I will. Night. That's the best thing about America is the portions are just yeah gigantic. I yeah. live for that. It's great. I really just can eat forever. Mm. It's a bit me dangerous. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Me both, sister. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, I'm excited. To, Dolly? Um, well, definitely not dating or on dating apps. Um, I've What have I been doing? I've just been working. Book promo? Yeah, all I'm doing is book promo at the moment. I'm trapped in this hideous echo chamber of Dolly Alderton. <laughs> and it's turning me into a monster. And every time that I reveal it to a fellow writer at the moment I'm like I just feel like I'm so self-obsessed <laughs> and all I do is think about my book and events coming up and you know reviews of the book and how I'm going to organize the book party and all the exciting things I could do with brands and it's just this like hamster wheel and I don't think it's healthy I gotta say and every writer and every every author I've spoken to has said don't worry it's completely normal at this stage and I'm like no no but I don't think that's okay <laughs> so I'm trying really hard at the moment not even to unplug but to just immerse myself in something or someone that isn't fucking me mm, <laughs> yeah. because I can feel myself just um, you know going to turn into someone who that's all they think about and I really don't think that's good for the soul and I guess considering 
the book is about your life. Yeah, it's exactly. not even like you've written a novel. Exactly. Yeah, it's something I'm super aware of. I don't know. I think I, I had no idea it would be as all-consuming as it is. I'm really enjoying it. You know, it's my childhood dream to write a book, but selling books in in the world we live in now is quite hard. So I didn't realize the pressure that I would feel. It's weird. It's like, am I going to be as daring as to say it's like having a baby? Probably not. <laughs> no, it won't go quite that far. But it, it's like having this thing that you've created where nothing's ever enough. Like, yeah, I just want it to sell. And that's kind of incumbent on me. So it's it's like whenever you have your own project, mm. when you're part of a more collaborative thing, you can have moments where you just kind of take your feet off the accelerator or you think, oh, Linda on the next desk <laughs> will sort that. But this is the first thing in my life properly where I'm like, oh, no, this is all on me. Yeah. And I really basically can't do enough because sadly I am um, a mercenary and <laughs> I really want it to sell, not just to make money, but I'm, you know, it's such hard work writing a book. It would be so brilliant if it reached lots of people the art isn't quite enough for me, sadly. <laughs> I wish it was. <laughs> no, well, we both adored it, didn't we? Yeah, I have no doubt that it will reach a lot of people, touch I a lot of parts. So. Particularly, I think, our kind of age demographic. Like, it's so prevalent to so relatable. That, yeah, to everything we talk about on the podcast, to everything we talk about with our friends. Like, And it's just done in such a kind of heartwarming, touching way. It's not kind of your generic, like... It's not just like a dating, like bad, a series of bad dating stories. It's kind of done in a way that... It just makes a lot of sense, like, as a whole. Oh, thank you so much. When did you start, like, working on it? Uh, I, d I knew I wanted to write about my 20s from about the age of 24. Really? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And I remember the first time I had an idea for it was... I was in New York, actually. Ooh. I was visiting a very close friend of mine, moved out there. And I had a day wandering around Manhattan. I had no money as your early 20s Was this dictates. the bit in the book? No, no. This oh, was a, of years a different trip no, to New York. This, this no only, spoilers. Oh, I know. This is only mildly less insane than the trip that I write <laughs> about in that chapter. Um, actually, a side note on that. Do you know the writer Joel Golby? Yes. He's brilliant. He's like yeah, so, yeah. so He's funny. He's so funny. But, but very different to my style, I would say. He's very cynical and yeah. quite male, I would say, in his prose. And he was one of the only boys who I sent the book to just because I love his writing so much and I really wanted him to have a copy. And uh, his reaction to that New York chapter where I slightly lose my mind and kind of <laughs> fall in love with a stranger. I love that bit. I, I still, like I wanted you to, you know, rekindle things with him. I was rooting yeah, for him. that's what Pandora said. <laughs> no, sadly, he's got a girlfriend now. Um, it's not but mad. yeah, it's this, this kind of mad time that I had in New York where I was very irresponsible and I actually found it a very embarrassing chapter to write because I just made decisions that now as a 29 year old I'm just like why did you do that and most women I know it's all about me being very lost really and most women I know who've read that chapter have said to me like that made me so sad I've been that person I've tried to escape my sadness by going to a foreign place and trying to be a different person it didn't work mm. Joel Colby's response to that chapter was that whole bit in New York mate are you fucking mad <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it amazing. made me laugh so much it's such a male reaction <laughs> yeah, love that. that story uh, but so anyway good. so I had my first trip to New York when I was about 24 
I had no money, but I remember having like five dollars that I was going like, to buy a treat for myself <laughs> with. And I was in Greenwich Village and I found this beautiful stationery shop and there was a lovely little exercise book with two swallows on the front. Oh. And I bought it and I thought, I'm going to sit in a cafe all afternoon and I'm going to plot this memoir that I'm going to write at some point in my 20s. And I still worked off those initial thoughts when I wow. came to write it. So I was kind of planting, I was brewing ideas for it for mm. a really long time. And then I wrote, I took a month off my full-time job in TV when I was 25 um, and wrote half a book then for a proposal. Did you really? Yeah, but it was much more of a kind of sassy manual of like how to be in mm. your 20s. And I used that as a calling card for agents, got a brilliant agent out of it. But thank God it never saw the light <laughs> of day. And then everything was kind of percolating for years and I was writing bits and bobs and then I sold the book on half of it being written which was about again about 40,000 words Wow! and then the second half I wrote in they gave me three months and if God, I'm being totally nothing. honest I think I wrote it in about a month wow really? yeah which was not I found it really stressful that was a stupid decision on my part but yeah. I'm a journalist at heart so yeah it's always deadlines for me that that make me productive it's very yeah, immature yeah, yeah, same very immature thing is though I think when you do put that time pressure on yourself you do actually probably perform better than if I think so but apparently that's nonsense <laughs> it was like at uni some people when they had their essays due some people were like needed the fear of it being the night before the deadline yeah. and some people my, I, I was one of those who had a fear of the fear so I was yeah. afraid of that last minute panic so I would always do things quite early yeah Farley my friend Farley is like that read so much about Farley I feel like I know Farley <laughs> I know me too I was like oh I'm so Farley in this bit oh no I'm definitely Dolly in this bit <laughs> oh my god that warms my heart honestly we were saying like you know obviously we listened to the high low and we read your book and obviously you were a dating columnist for so long yeah do you get people coming up to you saying like oh I feel like I know you so well and you're like who are you yeah I'm not do you know what? I'm actually not precious about that at all I think it's a very arrogant person who would share um, a lot of who they are. Obviously, you curate a lot of mm -hmm. that as well, but present who you are and the essence of who you are as truthfully as possible and then really enjoy it when it's kind of in your favour. And then if people say to you, I know who you are, suddenly clutch your pearls and go, no, you don't. How <laughs> dare you be so presumptuous? Of course, <laughs> they know the spirit and the essence of who you are if that's what you've chosen to shape your work. Uh, the only time I don't like it, I must say, is when I get unsolicited therapy or advice. Oh, God, that's so I, annoying. I don't enjoy that because I, f I feel like it's so many fragments make up a human and their experience. And even the most confessional and tell-all of journalists, which I don't think I am, but even those people like you know the Liz Jones of this world sure. mm. even then we don't really know the story or the context we really don't so t to send out you know the kind of imperious advice on on how they could be a better person or where they're going wrong in their life I do that does rub me out the wrong way <laughs> I don't blame it. it's a very particular type of person that goes out of their way to like offer their advice yeah, to someone man. yeah <laughs> it's so annoying yeah okay another one really quickly just while we're talking about this because obviously olivia and i now you know host a dating and relationships podcast yeah. are you both Can single yeah yeah 
Yeah, yeah. She, you're hesitant. Yeah, what's going no, on I am. I am. I'm seeing someone, but who? I mean, I mean, who, I'm. What I'm does also, that even mean? I'm, I don't know. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm in a similar situation, yeah. realistically, but single. I would, yeah, I'd still say really. I'm single. The seeing window for me is three months. Okay, it's very yeah, it's long, less, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think less that's than that. Um, two months. But yeah, yeah, that's so, yeah. So what I really wanted to ask you was... <laughs> I love that I'm just saying... <laughs> no, I agree with you, though. High priestess of dating. <laughs> Sorry, that's so arrogant. It's whatever you want it to be, Olivia. I always I always think three months as well, though. I'm like, whenever I ask guys I'm seeing, like, oh, have you had any you know, long-term relationships? They're like, what does that mean? Like, you know, three months and, and upwards. Yeah. I just think it's a good mark. Yeah. There's, there's Apparently the stages. that is a long-term, though, by the way. <laughs> FYI, I found that out. But it's the stages, because you're seeing someone, and then you have to decide whether you're exclusively seeing them one before do you then become like an official yeah yeah but thing. here's the thing that i always used to find insane i've got to lay my cards on the table i've been out of the dating game for a year consciously it's like i've gone into retirement <laughs> it's been amazing but here's something that used to really annoy me about that exclusivity thing i hated when no matter how casual the arrangement was whether it was a month in or two months in or three months in i always would ex if you're sleeping with someone I would always want it to be exclusive, not for jealousy, but for like hygiene. I was about to yeah. say hygiene. You know, and it's, yeah. it's, but, <laughs> it, but it's hard because there's no way. I remember saying that to men of being like, if you're sleeping with me, you're not sleeping with other people. And I, and this is not me being territorial of you. Yeah. And you're more than welcome to go on dates with other women or we can stop sleeping together. But I'm, I'm not sharing your body with loads of other women. I'm I agree. Sorry. It like, really grosses me but, out. But that. what was the response when you said that to men? Were they like, what, why? Or I were they, they like, thought, oh, okay. I think that they were, they thought that I was concealing um, an emotional ownership or jealousy, which like truly I wasn't at that stage when it's so early on. And as I, you know, I'm, I'm totally fine with having multiple sexual partners or, or non-monogamy. That works really great. But for a lot of people but everyone has to be complicit in that arrangement everyone has to be given consent and everyone needs to know what birth control everyone is mm. using otherwise i'm sorry i'm not okay with it and it, I, it, I do think it probably made me come across a bit of a psycho but hey i'm nearly 30 thank god i don't care anymore why no, <laughs> so but how did guys respond when they found out you were a dating columnist uh, they always wanted to be written about. I mm. find you know that what? as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have time. a lot of guys that are like, can you talk about me on the podcast? I'm like, no. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah, they don't. They, <laughs> you're not interesting enough. Yeah, they, men on the whole, and this is not me man bashing. Since <laughs> I got an email from the high being like, it seems like Dolly hates all men. I feel like I now have to say that incredibly <laughs> obvious caveat every single time. <laughs> but on the whole, young men, I found when we were doing, Cosmo and I did that dating column, mm. he was a man in his early 60s. I was a woman in my mid-20s. He found it much more difficult to write about women because I think women have so much more self-awareness and I think women often think the worst of themselves, whereas every man I went on a date with, bar one in two years, wanted to be written about really? one of them emailed me asking for a pdf of his write-up like he was at a restaurant that i was reviewing oh my god and <laughs> they frame all it. they all seemed if i ever wrote anything i was never negative or rude but if i ever wrote anything that wasn't they stole my heart and made my knees quiver they always seemed like quite shocked and outraged <laughs> like the 
the cojones on these guys, they really thought that they could take me out for the best date of my life. Whether they had interest in seeing me or not otherwise was irrelevant. They thought they would get the golden write-up and they were very surprised if they didn't. God, what does that say about the male ego? Christ, that's <laughs> hilarious. That, mm. that happens to me though, all of my male friends as well, not people that I date, but they all say to me when they find out I do this podcast, they're like, oh my God, you have to have me on as a guest. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. what, what have you got to say? <laughs> yeah, totally. It was that quote, it's Lord grant me the confidence of a completely average white dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And uh, you know, that's great, but back yourself, that's yeah. brilliant. I just, the, the disparity and the gap between, can you imagine if I went on a date with him and I'd be so nervous, and he, knowing he was writing it me up. Me too, I'd I know. I'd be so nervous. I'd be like, don't write about me, I don't want the world hearing about this date. Yeah. But, yeah. It's oh. so funny. Anyway. <laughs> Hopefully we'll catch up with them one day. Mm. <laughs> anyway, let us move on to bio of the week. So we've been scrolling, we've been swiping, we've been assessing the bios of our potential suitors. And the favourite one we've come across this week is very short, but I think very sweet. Um, I should probably caveat this with one of the pictures in the bio is a guy baking. He appears to be making some sort of cookie. And his bio simply reads... Not my rolling pin. Do you get it? Okay, so when you first told me I don't me this, get that. I was like... Because <laughs> when, when you first... <laughs> I'm glad you I'm said so that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, when you first told I me I thought this, it might need explaining. Yeah, you need to explain it. Because it's always I, good to explain the truth. <laughs> yeah. No, it really made me laugh. Every not. good joke needs a good explanation. <laughs> no, so basically, you know when they have... Guys always are like, not my baby. Or not like, my not my wife. daughter, not yeah. my yeah. son, yeah. not yeah. my... And this guy goes, not my rolling that pin. That is actually yeah. very funny. It's quite yeah. clever. I think maybe funny. when you see it in context, it's funnier than when you read it out on totally. a podcast. And also, if you'd said that to me a year ago, or 18 months ago, where I had, you know, re repetitive strain disorder from just like constant, where I was always <laughs> on a dating app mm. when I was watching a film or on the bus, or whatever, I think then I would have I would have recognised that reference. But now that I'm clean in <laughs> there i'd forgotten but you're right that yeah. is something that they always used to write and also they used to say my mates made me do this Ugh, oh it's awful worst. that's the worst it's like get off what are you doing my favorite one i ever saw was a bloke you just wrote i hate london wow <laughs> cheery and i just liked it because it was such a foil to all the other profiles that were like loving life in the big city yeah, would yeah. love a lady by my side to stroll down the south bank and mm. go on you know urban adventures and just this bloke being like i hate london <laughs> i quite so i quite respect that to be honest it's quite <laughs> blunt just like yeah i don't like you know strong coffee or you know edgy markets <laughs> and brick traveling yeah have you found another one that they do is I suppose we'll just have to tell everyone that we met in a cafe. Yeah. I hate oh, that. I hate that as well. Because it makes it sound like you're ashamed to be on yeah. a dating app. Like, yeah. don't, like, ugh, it annoys me. The other one that I hate that's so manipulative is looking for a spoon buddy. Oh, that makes me cringe. Because it's like, I can't bear you that. know that you're preying on hungover and insecure women mm. on a Sunday <laughs> evening. Mm. And another one that they do that I don't like is something about looking for a wife. Again, oh, because it's not, not looking for anything serious, just a wife. Because that's one they do quite a lot. Yeah, it's really ma manipulative, I think, that one. The other thing, which I said to Livy earlier, is so weeks and weeks and weeks ago, when we were doing Bio of the Week. I love that segment, mm -hmm. by the way. Thank you. <laughs> we did this one, which we loved at the time. It was the first time we'd seen it. It was um, hoping to leave the single market before the UK does. 
which I thought was really funny. That is very funny. Yeah, but now it's like every other guy has it. I'm like, have you all listened to the podcast? I think they've all listened. I think they've all listened and been like, that is the way to go. They love that bio, so they've all done it. Yeah, it must be it. Trendsetters. Now they're all going to do Not My Rolling Pin. Yeah. (laughs) Heard it here first. (laughs) I do like Not My Rolling Pin. Yeah, Yeah, it was good. good. (laughs) Right. Let's move on to talk about your book a bit more because there were so many things we wanted to talk about. As we said, we loved it. We laughed. We cried. I was on the tube at that point, which was awkward. Um, (laughs) So many parts of it really just sort of spoke to my soul. It was very relatable. Wow, that's like the nicest thing you could say. Thank you. No, honestly. (laughs) Like, I'm not just saying that. That Yeah. like the big no it was it was fantastic um but one of the things which i thought was so interesting was well it's i like that it was as much about female friendships as it was about your relationships with men and romantic relationships but i think one of the recurring themes in the book that i took away from it was how to cope when your friends got into relationships Mm. um and that's something i'm very familiar with Mm. and it's difficult when you can be so used to having your female friends sort of there all the time and then suddenly they get this person in their life that is suddenly number one. And you did that really interesting ranking of how people's priorities change. It doesn't happen with men. It's how women's priorities change. Okay, tell the listeners what the list is. Well, it's something that I've been thinking about a lot, particularly in the last year because I've had this distance from romantic love and I hadn't realised on one level or another how much that had sort of imprisoned me and taken up so much of my mind and my time since I was a teenager. Women are, generally speaking, and I don't know why it is, I think it must be something to do with biology and I think it must be something to do with the narratives of romance that were fed from a very young age. I think we're slightly indoctrinated with this idea that life isn't complete until a man chooses you. Um. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Oh, yeah. I think women lose their minds in love. I do. I think they lose their minds. I think a lot of the time they humiliate themselves, and I think that they lose who they are. And... I've done it. I've done it over and over again. And in fact, I don't think I've ever been in a relationship where I haven't done it. And I think what is becomes hard as the friend of someone when you see them do that. And m- again, not all, I think most women at some point or another will do that, where you get this feeling when the guy comes that sort of the whole world could crumble around you and you don't really give a monkey's as long as he's standing there. And that is an unhealthy way 
<laughs> to think about life and to play emotional supremacy of this love, this feeling, this relationship is now the golden trump card on anything else. Mm. I can cancel on people. I cannot reply to them. I cannot take them seriously. And I can basically be very negligent of our bond because now I've got this thing in my life that everyone knows is more important than anything else. I don't believe men have that mentality. I really don't. Like mm. the number of times where I've just started seeing someone, I feel like I'm falling in love. And I just, all I think about is them and I just stop working. I just don't work. My work falls behind. I'm mm. staring out of a window. I don't really care about the quality of the work I hand in. You know, I was talking, I was interviewed mm. the other day and I was talking about every woman I know has a story of humiliation where they first start meeting a guy. They're not sure if he's interested. They sit at home in their best dress pretending they're on a night out. He calls them and says, where are you? And then you down a bottle of wine and get in a cab and rough your hair up and act like you've just come from seeing your friends. Again, most girls I know have a story like that. Boys aren't doing that. So I think I found it increasingly hard as I was growing up that it, I wasn't the one that was falling in love and forming partnerships. It was my friends one by one did this and they were relatively young when they did it. And they moved out of the flat that we shared and I felt like, I felt the only way I could describe it is I felt like I had been their warm up act. I had been their practice run for their big emotional moment of their life. And I had just been the rehearsal. Yeah, I think it's totally shit to feel like that. I've had friends who, you, they, they get into relationships and they become totally smitten with this guy. And they might as well just fall off the face of the earth. Because, yeah, yeah. you know, I keep trying to call them or message them and they just sort of reply to one message and then not reply to anything else. And then there's only so many times you'll keep trying with them before it's, you realise, yeah. okay, fine. But then it's when they break up with the guy and then they come running back and want yeah. to be your friend again. Yeah. And then it's a bit like, well... Because often am I supposed to do? that like kind of blind infatuation that you get with someone when you first start seeing seeing them, it doesn't really last for longer than like a few months, really. And then I think when you get into maybe six months onwards, that's when the person in the relationship will probably realise, oh God, where are my friends now? Mm. Like I don't have those same kind of strong bonds. And I've noticed it with friends of mine who have gone, you know, kind of balls to the wall in these really intense relationships and then our friendship has kind of dwindled as a result. But then they... they kind of come back a few months later once things are kind of settled. Yeah, and also I, I sound like I'm, I've got these unbelievably high expectations. I understand when you fall in love, it's the same as when you fall in love with a new business venture or you know, you know that it's fine that you have to share your time and maybe you see your friend less, but as you said, I'm talking about the people where you just feel like you've gone from number one to just yeah. down to the kind of bottom of the bottom because revisiting your initial question sorry I'm such a waffler <laughs> the ranking system that I realized that kept happening is that when you when a woman I loved met a guy I'd gone from being number one mm. to well their friends had gone from being number one to the boyfriend is number one and then the boyfriend's family and then the boyfriend's friends and then weirdly there was this other layer of the boyfriend's friends girlfriends what yeah. suddenly it was like really important that you had to be at Leah's 30th I can see I can see mm. why that is a thing though because it's kind of like you want to build this like community that's what it is and that's and and you love the idea of of being part of a collective identity mm. and Nora Ephraim writes about this in Heartburn so well 
where she says when you're in a couple and you find a group of other couples oh my gosh yes it's this incredible camaraderie mm. and you operate as a glamorous too and you mm. have this joint identity as well you know it's very seductive but it also means that the, the friends who you have an individual friendship with just get forgotten. Mm, they just get yeah. forgotten. I've got friends who have started moving in with their boyfriends and now they're like, I'm like, oh, you freeze such and such a night and they're like, oh no, we're having like a couple's dinner party and I'm like, yeah. what? Oh, God. Hang out with your couple friends and I, I just don't get invited. How old are you if you don't mind 25. And how old 23. Yeah, it, I pr it was the worst for me between the ages of 23 and about 26. And it is just the first round of grown-up relationships. Yeah. Mm. And then they do all come back. Or, as come I say on back. that last page, all the good ones come back. Yeah. All the good ones come back. And also, I'm very aware I'm sounding like I behave perfectly in relationships. I've been guilty of this too. I've been guilty yeah, of yeah, this Yeah, yeah, God, too, me too. Know, I think we all of have. getting swallowed up, yeah. Well, that's the thing. I don't want to judge my friends too harshly who do this because I <laughs> don't really have experience of being in a long-term relationship. So I don't know what I'd be like. I, Considering I've been on, you know, the receiving end of this behaviour, I like to think I wouldn't be like that. But I I don't really understand, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, and it makes you mad. Love mm. does make you mad. Oh, completely. You lose and your... Yeah. I'm not going to swear, but you lose your... We've you know already what? sworn, so... Sorry, sorry. that's me. No, that's but I did fault. as well. Oh, you lose I'm your sorry. shit. Yeah. You lose your fucking shit. <laughs> yeah, there's this, there's this phrase that I use all the time. Um... And you can cut this out if you decide that it's too <laughs> gross. Uh, and I'm so, I feel sorry for anyone who's listened to other interviews with me because I, I use it all the time. But I think it's so relevant to describing this phenomena in your 20s with your friends one by one kind of leaving you <laughs> momentarily and then returning. In Martin Amos's book, The Rachel Papers, that he wrote when he was hideously young. He wrote it when he was about 19. Oh and he talks about his sister who falls in love with this big burly oaf who she's obsessed with <laughs> and he's spending time with his sister and she's completely just not there. She, she's just so obsessed with this guy. And Martin Amos's character says she was full on spunk drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and I like that. So good. It's a thing. Totally. Thing. Thing. So you've got to let them go be drunk yeah. for a while yeah. and then they'll sober up and hopefully come back to their senses and come back to you. Fingers crossed. <laughs> they will. <laughs> you're, in, you're in the thickest part of the woods now. You can get I through promise. it. Yeah. Now, I think it's fair to say that in the book, there are a fair share of dating disasters, yeah. which is going to bring us nicely onto Dating Disaster of the Week. Okay, so <laughs> this is probably my favourite segment. And this week I'm quite excited because this is one that has come from a friend, an anonymous friend, that um, I was talking to on Sunday at lunch. And we were all kind of just sharing dating stories, as you do. And she came up with this and I was like, I need to tell that on my podcast. <laughs> so thank you to said friend. And here we go. It was my first date with this guy. Let's call him Jim. <laughs> Jim and I had been getting on swimmingly all evening. We went for drinks that led to dinner, which led to him coming back to mine. We're all grown-ups here. I don't need to tell you what happened next. <laughs> After we'd had sex, I readied myself for a night of sleep, i.e. closed my eyes and rolled over. After a few minutes, yes, minutes, after we'd finished having sex, he reached over me to put his phone on my bedside table. That's when I suddenly heard the sonorous sounds of Stephen Fry talking about Whomping Willows and Weasley Wizards. Is that Harry Potter? I asked. Yeah, I'm on chapter five, he replied. It helps me sleep. Uh, Fine. So he likes to fall asleep to Harry Potter. Yeah. I mean, he's 26 years old, but hey, we all have our quirks. Yeah. Just as I was starting to drift off into the magical wizarding world, he started whispering. 
At first, I thought he was just repeating phrases from the story. Maybe he was sleep talking. Then Harry said to Hermione, touch the wand. (laughs) I'm no diehard Potter fan, but I'm fairly certain that line wasn't taken from chapter five. (laughs) Jim carried on mumbling like this for a few minutes. I pretended I was asleep. Although I couldn't help but chuckle to myself when he said something about slithering in. (laughs) Then, obviously, obviously thinking I was asleep, I heard some spritzing sounds and the soothing smell of my lavender sleep spray wafting over me. Clearly not intent on falling asleep to Harry Potter, Jim felt the need to help himself to my very expensive sleep spray. Needless to say, we did not see each other again and I've never looked at Harry Potter or his wand in quite the same way again. That is really creepy. That's so weird. You know, my first thought of that was when, like, so they're at her house, right? Yeah. And so he, like, starts playing it on his phone. Mm -hmm. Like, it's it's not his home. He doesn't have the right to start putting something on. But also, as you said, it's like, okay, he listens to children's books to get to sleep. (laughs) Life's stressful. I find it hard to sleep. Whatever. That's okay. Like... That's quite a lot to expect of someone, to, like a new sexual partner, to be okay with that. Yeah. But then to like, yeah, that's turn just, it into some yeah. sexual fantasy. Yeah, it's <laughs> really, but also, like, he's already shagged her. I know exactly. It's weird. It's weird. You don't need to do all the shit about the one. I know. <laughs> it's very strange. Just, you've done it. <laughs> There's no. You've yeah. already slithered in. Yeah, you don't exactly. need to do it again. Exactly. What? A weird, it was a weird mm. arrogance there, I think. But there is a weird arrogance <laughs> yeah. I don't like about it, yeah. Yeah. And I like, th- so I like sleep with an eye mask, but if I'm like spending the night with a guy for the first time, I don't even go like, oh, let me just put my eye mask on. I'm like, nope, I'll just cope without it. I'll cope without yeah. it. I don't want anyone to think I'm weird. <laughs> yeah, well, basically, the first six months of any sort of courtship when I was in my early mid-twenties was spent with me having, with conjunctivitis because I would never take my makeup off. <laughs> And so tired because this is so You don't sleep. I'm an adult thumb, thumb sucker as well, which I'm oh, so embarrassed about. You? Yeah. And I don't think I've ever admitted that before. <laughs> exclusive, yeah, really guys. Like, I'm exclusive. <laughs> I'm just like, do I really want everyone to know that? Yeah, I do do it and I'm super tired. I yeah. do wake up and find myself doing it. And I would be so nervous. I'm like, I don't want them to think I'm this like creepy adult baby. <laughs> So you never sleep in those first I six months. I never sleep. Let alone eye masks and audio books. <laughs> <laughs> and sleep spray. Yeah. Oh, cool. yeah. Right. You pulled out all the stops. It's weird. Like, okay, and there's so many things are weird to that. We could talk about it all day. Really thank your friend for sharing. Uh, yeah, yeah, that really. was really good. I really enjoyed that. Thanks, guys. Um, so another part of the book which really made me stop and think was when you said that you crave male attention, but also fear intimacy. Because um, I think I suffer from that on some level too. Mm. Um, but for anyone who hasn't read the book, can you sort of explain a bit what you mean by that? Yeah, so I think um, there's a chapter of the book about maybe three quarters of the way through where I talk about my experiences with therapy. I went into therapy when I was 27 and did it for 18 months. And there's I didn't know what my issue was with men but I knew there was a big issue Mm. um and when I first started explaining it to this woman she she said to me you you don't know how to relate to men you don't know how to relate to them and when she said she said that within 10 minutes of meeting me and I was like oh yeah I don't I don't I know exactly how to relate to women 
I know how to be myself with women. I know how to feel confident with women. I know how to make women laugh. I know how to feel authentic with women. I know how to trust women. I know how to be close with them and learn intimacy. I know how to be body confident with women. Mm. I know how to be naked with women. You know, all this stuff. It's like I was this sort of relationship expert when it came to women as I think all of us are in our 20s when you have these amazing close friendships that have lasted 10 or 20 years but I can do any of the above with men not in a platonic sense you know I've got two close male friends Mm. and I remember saying that to her in the first session and she was like well that's a problem that is a problem that there I said she said why she said can't you see that's your issue like why why don't you want to be friends with men? And I said, I just don't have interest in them unless I'm sleeping with them. And she was like, well, they're half the population, so that's really cutting yourself off from a great many experiences. I think that's so common, though. I know very few women in their early to mid-20s that Mm -hmm. have more than one or two very close male friends. Mm, I'm not sure if that's true. I think, personally, I've always been a girl's girl. Mm -hmm. I have so many more girlfriends that I probably have... I can literally think of one, right, and two guys that I would like meet up with by themselves on a friendship level. And actually, one of the ones I'm thinking of, we have definitely crossed the line before. <laughs> um, but I do have girlfriends who are like, oh, I way prefer hanging out with boys. Most of my friends are boys. Yeah, but are they doing that to get dick? <laughs> well, <laughs> that's what I've always found. <laughs> no, that's, that is an <laughs> app, that's a joke. And that is, uh, please, make that clear. That's a joke. Um, they do I say no, I don't trust of friends. Who, they do who say, say like, that. don't yeah. trust a girl who doesn't have any girlfriends. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, most healthy adjusted adults that I know have friends of both sexes and I think that also that changes as you get older I think and you work with more people and now it's amazing that I've done all this work and all this therapy and all this introspection because like I'm never going to be as relaxed around men as I am with women but I'm I'm more than okay now being Mm. myself with them and I'm more than okay now with sitting at a wedding and talking to a married man and being genuinely interested in talking to a married man rather than being like, you're married, I've got no interest in you, you can do nothing for me. It was all about, the way I related to men, it was all about, I I think I had a lot of pent-up anger and internalised rage at men. I think I was treated not very well by men in my early 20s. A lot of that I invited myself and I think it left me just not really taking them seriously I just sort of hated them and and I didn't I just wanted to use them and I didn't trust them and I didn't want to be close to them and I've done a lot of work now to to get over that mindset and to allow myself to be vulnerable with men not just men I have romantic intent mm. with you know sit with a friend's boyfriend or husband and wear no makeup or spill mm. a bit of soup down my top. And that's just would never have been able to do that before. Just open up and soften up to all these different kinds of relationships with men rather than just they're there to give me gratification and attention. And that will then obviously benefit the romantic relationships that you have with men hugely if you already feel more comfortable around yeah. them in a platonic sense. Yeah, I can't wait to fall in love again. I don't think it will be, as I said, I'm having this hiatus time out of it because I really needed it and I'll know when I'm ready to maybe pursue that or maybe I won't ever pursue it again and be on the hunt again I'm fully prepared I may not ever do that again and just wait and see what happens and if I meet someone but I 
can't wait to now go into something romantic with feeling like my whole self is intact and not feeling like I have to slip into this entirely different persona and being ready to relate to them in the amazing way I relate to my family or my friends and being mm. fully myself and opening up and being softer. I can't wait to try that and see what that will be like. Maybe shit. <laughs> <laughs> it may be better just being sort of mad nymphomaniac, but um, <laughs> apparently apparently it's not. Apparently intimacy is actually pretty great. That's what they say. <laughs> That's what they say. <laughs> Working on it. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get there. I'm, I'm aware I'm sounding so patronising. I'm only no, three years old. No, no, not This is all very new stuff for me. This is literally stuff I've learned in real time in, in the last year as I was writing the yeah. book. It's actually incredibly encouraging because I sit here feeling like I know I've got so many issues and I've now identified some of them which you know a year or two ago I sort of hadn't even really clocked um so it's actually really encouraging to mm. see that you know like if you think about it if you work on it if you just take a few more years then you can sort of it sounds like you're in a really good headspace with regard yeah. to men and dating and relationships yeah yeah it's um yeah it's great I'm so smug about it, but I th feel like I've earned the right to be smug mm. because it was hell yeah. working it all out. And it's great. It's really good. Something this Christmas, I had a real moment where I was like, God, I'm so proud of you. And all my friends are like, I'm so proud of you. And I was like, God, that doesn't reflect well on how I used to be. <laughs> where a guy that I sort of liked, Booty called me. And it was at Christmas and I was drunk. Christmas special. The Christmas special. I was, and normally I always have this sort of flinging at Christmas as all <laughs> single people do when you're sort for of sure. pissed for a month. Mm. And, uh, but it was just all wrong, even though in that moment I was so tempted. because so I was like, I haven't, <laughs> am I going to be this person? I haven't had sex in a really long time. <laughs> and I have my life, is, you know, it's hard having a year like celibate. Yeah. It's hard because you do see moments of tenderness or, or romance everywhere. And you're like, is that just not a part of my life anymore? That just feels like that's not a part of my life. And um, yeah, it was really tempting. And then my, and then immediately this rational thing in my head went, no, don't do that. Don't, you don't need Sensible. that. You're whole and full and enough. You've had a wonderful evening with your friends. You don't need, the, the, you know, there was a period in my life where a night was only complete once mm. that a bloke was involved in oh, some capacity. Oh God, me too. Sharing a, a taxi home together or, or exchanging numbers or whatever and I you know I didn't even reply to this guy because I knew I was drunk and I was like I don't even want to engage in a dialogue where he could try and persuade me and my friends were like look at you <laughs> I was like guys this is just most normal people <laughs> no I'm very impressed that sounds very mature <laughs> yeah. I, it's, I find myself doing it like and now I definitely did it more when I was younger but I would stay at parties if there was a guy there that I was oh, interested yeah. in all, and yeah. if there wasn't I'd be like right screw this I'm leaving like, I get yeah. tired early <laughs> I'm yeah. not staying at the party if no one fancies me and it's the <laughs> shittest sorry it's the worst <laughs> feeling yeah. as well when you feel like you've pinned your whole hopes on the fantasy of a man <sighs> mm -hmm. yeah because that's the other thing as well about not relating to men that, that I realised pretty quickly is that nearly Every bloke that I became obsessed with, I did, it was all a fantasy. Completely. It would be me projecting who I thought they were on them. Or it would be, have you read Cat Person? Yeah. Oh, it yeah. would be like me imagining how amazing they thought I was. That's not relating with someone. That's narcissism, you know. And 
it was never actually about like a cool, funny dude and like what he has to teach me or what he I want to hear him talk about. It was always about this like child's play fantasy. And yeah, when you do that with a bloke you don't know on a night where you become obsessed with what he's going to be the end of the night and mm. then he turns out he's got a girlfriend or he go home, he goes yeah. home with someone else or he disappears, you'd be so embarrassed and you'd be like, well, that was a whole waste of an evening. It's totally romanticised in your head and then you kind of realise at the end of the day, like, Christ, this is just me wanting someone to tell me that I'm beautiful and amazing. Yeah, it's just exactly. about your own ego. Exactly. Like, or it's just because snogging is fun. Yeah, that too. But I do yeah. think it's just a self-serving thing, isn't it? It's just yeah. you want someone to tell you that you're this incredible person. You want to feel wanted. Yeah. Whether yeah. you want them or not, it's kind of irrelevant. You just, yeah, you want to feel wanted. And also I think everyone needs to go through that. Like I needed to have a period of my life where all my sense of validation and attractiveness and value was all about whether a man was looking at me or not. Um, but... Most people grow out of that. I didn't. It got worse and worse and worse. So while most people were growing up and having more of a, a sense of who they are and integrity and wholeness, I was just becoming more and more addicted to it. So once you release yourself from that and you slowly realise that you don't need any, per any man, you do not need a man in your life. You just don't. You can have a hugely happy and fulfilled life and feel your best self and have your life crammed full of love and fulfillment without romantic and sexual uh, love or attention. And the minute that you get to that moment in your life, most people get there naturally. I need to, to make a conscious decision to get there. You're just free. It's amazing. I think that's definitely the driving home message of the book, which is why I think it's going to yeah, do so well. Yeah, I love that. Because it I is really like it's that. just this entirely new perspective that I've never heard before, that it is just... Because you read books about love and it's like, once you fall in love, you will become a whole person. Or this is, yeah. this is what you need to do. You need to sacrifice this. You need to change this about yourself. But you're right. Like you I think that whole narrative of you need to find someone else to be a complete person. It's just, it's just rubbish. Yeah, and the other thing is, I, I read the other day, a woman, a journalist who I love called Eva Wiseman, mm. does this great agony aunt column for ID. And there was a girl who was writing about how she felt like she needed to feel like be on her own. And Eva offered up this theory where she said, I feel like millennials, the, their generation is sort of too obsessed with being on their own. And I thought about it and I was like, maybe I am, maybe I do. I don't want to fetishise this message for people. But then I thought, actually, no, I, I'm fine fetishising that message because do you know what? Mm. Pe the people have been so obsessed with not being yeah. on their own yeah. for so long. That's been the only story ending that we've ever seen for women has been, has been you have to be with someone else. I think it's good that we're offering up maybe it's an extremity, but offering up another selection of, of a whole different, many ways you can live a life. I love that. Final question for you. I was about to say this. I know exactly what okay, you're going to ask. Okay, do you want to ask it? Do you want to ask it? <laughs> okay. If everything I know about love gets made into a film, who do you want to play you? Uh, you know, it's been optioned for TV. Has it? Yeah. Oh but, my but god! I'm amazing. very careful with with bandaging that around because <laughs> optioning for TV sounds super exciting, uh, and it is exciting. I'm very excited. But I also worked in TV for years, and um, 
it optioning is like the first baby step. Right. It doesn't mean we're gonna have like clapperboards and mean a sort of fold out chair with Dolly written on the ah, <laughs> How exciting. Oh my God, I'd love that. Dressing gowns um, with Dolly. <laughs> <laughs> Who would I like to uh, play myself? My friends always say I look like Jim Broadbent. <laughs> <laughs> you do not look like Jim Broadbent. They actually asked me this the other day. They said who would play and I think I said Gemma Collins. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, she might be probably quite good at yeah. being, you know, entertaining anyway. Yeah, she's mm. sassy. She is who sassy. Who else do I love? Oh my God, if if we could rewind time and get Emma Thompson in the year that she was in The Tall Guy, which is one of my favourite films, if we could get Emma Thompson in that moment. That'd be yeah, ideal. That would be perfect. See what we can do. Time travel, <laughs> just a quick bit of time travel. Oh, I love it. I look forward to seeing it on a screen of either big or small size soon. Thank you. Anyway, that is it for today, guys. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. This helps other people discover the podcast, and you'll get a nice little notification when a new episode becomes available. And if you have any dating disasters, please keep sending them. Um, or just, you know, if you're our friends, just tell us face-to-face, -face <laughs> and we'll ask to use it for material. Um, but you can email them to us at millennial.love at independent.co.uk. Or you can tweet us at Rachel underscore Hosey or Olivia Petter one We've also got a new Facebook group oh, yes. dedicated to all things Millennial Love, where we're asking your opinion on things. We're sharing articles we've written about relationships and dating. So if you would like to find it, you just have to go to facebook.com slash groups slash millennial dot love. Now, thank you so much for coming on, Dolly. It's thank been a you. real so pleasure. Fun. Honestly, this has been so much fun. Yeah. Come back, please. <laughs> I'm so impressed with you two. <laughs> so Again, fine. that sounds really patronising and teachy. I don't know. I just wish I'd been as wise and brilliant as you are now. It would have oh. made my book writing of those years much less embarrassing. <laughs> We're very much like struggling our way through the murky waters, and that's what this podcast yeah. is. But, you know, good on you for being so open about that. It Thanks. Yeah, well, yeah. I also just feel like, you know, it's good. I just want to talk about it how it is that I'm not afraid to tell people about my issues. I feel like maybe puts off some men, but not the right type of men. Totally. And, um, totally. Yeah, so everyone, Dolly's book, which we could not recommend more, Everything I Know About Love, is out now. And well, it will be when this podcast comes out anyway. And if you don't already, I thoroughly recommend you subscribe to The High Low, which is Dolly's podcast with Pandora Sykes. And we will see you all next week. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.